Welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's producer, media guru, and her son. On today's podcast, we are going to be talking about uh, writing about art. And with me coming to us from New Mexico, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I wanted to talk about, in kind of in general, writing about art, your art, what what that can do for you and ways that you can do it when it might be necessary and that sort of thing. And then I'm going to do a specific emphasis on blogging, if you're interested in writing an art blog. But just kind of starting out with some more um, kind of general categories and things. Uh, and I, I wanted to do this, I think, because a lot of people, a lot of artists say they don't like to write. And they just, it's it's hard, you know, if you haven't really written anything since high school or college and it, it can seem very daunting and so I wanted to talk about some of the ways that you could do it in a casual way that can really help your work uh, and also sometimes there are more formal situations and um, unfortunately being able to write at least something is part of the art game you know it's like you will be expected to write stuff and uh, so um there are types of writing that you may truly dislike and hate and be not very good at it. And those have to do with more formal kinds of writing or even writing an artist statement, which I'll kind of explain is a little less formal. But getting help with writing, if you don't like it, is perfectly okay. And maybe you know somebody that likes to write and maybe it's a friend or relative and you can just say, hey, can you can you just go over this with me or give me some suggestions or whatever? Um or you can go, you can take it up a level and you can actually hire somebody to write things for you. And there are, there are ways to find people like that online. So think about that because sometimes you're writing, you, you probably will get a better written product if you're not doing it yourself, if you don't like to write or you don't feel like you're a good writer. So I'm just putting that out there. But um, so I'm going to start with this kind of casual or personal writing and this is a different thing from say writing an essay or writing a letter or a a statement or a blog or anything this is stuff that's just kind of for yourself right like it it's notes or it's journaling or whatever and this type of writing i think it has a surprising effect on your creativity your creative flow uh your productivity your focus um and that you know, speaking from experience, I, I keep a lot of notes and things, just sometimes just a little jotting down of something in a sketchbook. There's something about the act of writing it that it stimulates ideas. It stimulates more ideas. Whereas sometimes if you just keep stuff in your head, it it doesn't, for me anyway, it doesn't progress very far. It's just random floating thoughts, you know. Um Right. But and when, when you do write something down, it tends to cement that idea. Um, even if you don't go back and refer to your notes, it helps to um, cement that idea in your mind. Exactly. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've written something down, forgotten all about it, and then come across it later on somehow and say, oh, well, yeah, actually that that turned into something. You know, <laughs> I didn't yeah it's it's been it was implanted in some level and so 
it's there. And I, I always like to feel a lot of trust in, in subconscious stuff or stuff that you're not totally aware of. It's always operating. And I love that about the creative process because it doesn't all have to be linear and described and analytical. It can be and does go on under the surface all the time. But there is something, like you say, about about finding the right word, finding words for it that that helps uh, just kind of solidify it somehow and make it a little more real. And, you know, like I said, I, I do write a lot of notes. When I go to an art museum, I'll carry a little notebook and you know, half the time when I look back at that, I don't even know what I was looking at or what I meant, but it'd just be like, oh, these two colors are very interesting together. Or, you know, I might make a little thumbnail sketch of a composition or something. Um, I write in my studio, like when I'm looking at my work, um, I'll think, I'll write, maybe I'll note some kind of thing that's coming through or there's some kind of development. And, um, Sometimes when I'm I'm driving the car, I'll I'll get on something in my brain. I'll start going on an idea, and I don't want to lose it. So I'll actually pull over if I can and just find some random piece of paper in the car and <laughs> write it down. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I actually I always have like a leather portfolio with a legal pad in it that I stick right between the driver's seat and the center console, so that if I if something pops into my head while I'm driving, I have a little spot where I can write it down. Yeah, and that's what you just said is I think that's a, an important thing. And I somehow don't be able to – I'm not very good at doing that. My, my notes tend to be here and there and everywhere. But actually having a place like that is, of course, you're very organized. That's great. <laughs> you should teach me how to do this. So and I have – one of my problems is I, I really adore little notebooks, right, like Somehow I find myself buying these little tiny sketchbooks. Little memo little, pads and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, they're so, they're so cute, you know. And so then I have, you know, five of them kicking around at any one time. So um, much better to, to, I think, stick to one. At least they're all in one place if you do decide to try to make sense of them at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so you say that, but like my notes are, are, I mean, they're all in one space, but they're not like organized in any way. <laughs> They're just like, you know, I'll be writing about one thing and then the next page will be a completely different topic. And then the next, like there, nothing is, is organized in terms of, <laughs> of categorized, you know, it's all just kind of scrawled but, out there. But but you still find it helpful, right? Right, right. I think, you know, I think, you know, if, if this idea appeals to you and you aren't doing it right now, or if you do this all the time and you'd like to be more organized, you know, you can think about... Yeah, what what level of organization is actually going to work for you? And maybe maybe the scattered bits of this and that everywhere is okay, you know, because like I said, you're just sort of implanting ideas. Um some people use a like post-it notes, sticky notes and a bulletin board and then um they can be sort of moved around and grouped, which is an interesting approach because you might see connections that you wouldn't see in your pages of illegible notes in your book um, and to be able to physically move them maybe you pull one off and put it over by a painting that you're working on and see how it relates or something like I kind of like that idea I don't do it but there's a lot of ideas out there that are appealing and as far as this sort of um, personal progress uh, and these are not I wouldn't say they're really journals they're just just bits bits and pieces and so how do you get the bits and pieces to add up i would say there's another 
there's another aspect to this, which I would say is, is outright journaling. And this is usually when people keep an actual journal, it is in one place, right? It's in a, it's in a notebook. And so I, I personally believe in journaling in, in finding your own way to journal. So, I mean, I started out with, when I was a little kid, you know, somebody gave me this daily diary thing for Christmas and had a little lock, you know, and everything. And so, but it was every day there was a date imprinted at the top. And as a child, and I was a very, you know, eager to please child. So I thought, well, every day I need to write something. And so I would, I, I still have this thing and it's really pretty funny. It's just like every single day, it's like I went to school, I came home, I did my homework, I played outside, mom made this or that for dinner. You know, it's like absolutely fascinating reading, you know, <laughs> but who knows? Maybe it established a routine for me, but, um, I, I think journaling every single day has a place and some people do that and they don't, but it's not that kind of dumb stuff. It's like, um, you know, whatever's on their head in their mind that day, uh, a way of clearing your mind. Um, and that's a, that's a really good practice. I think there's a, uh, you know, a lot of people know, um, about the author, um, Julia Cameron, and she has this practice that she recommends of morning pages. And that's basically what that is. Every morning you, you write three pages nonstop, without thinking, without grammar, without anything. And the idea is that it sort of clears your mind and I guess you go in for the day. And I personally have tried it and I, I'm so terrible when I wake up in the morning that I, I don't think it was particularly worthy. <laughs> well, and three pages is a lot, you know? It is. Um, but, but she believes that you, you break through somehow. Like you get bored and then you start thinking of something else to write and pretty soon you're writing something that maybe is a bit deeper. And, and I, I would say, yes, that does happen even in my foggy experience. Well, and maybe uh, I that it, works for just kind of like free flow of thought type stuff. Um, exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. And I, mean, I think I, it's okay to... Oh, I was going to say that, that I think that when you're, you're, ripe, you're writing um, about a topic, um, you know, in, in school, we're kind of, we're trained that we need to write like a thousand words or 5,000 words or something like that. And in the real world, the the kind of the ideal chunk of writing is about 250 words. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a few yeah. paragraphs. That's that's like what you're going to send in an email. That's, you know, if you're writing any kind of ad copy or review or notes, you know, you're not doing more than about 250 words. And yeah, and I think that's a that's a really good point. And, and I think that succinct type of writing is very different than this rambling thing because it's right. a different – Per, it's a different purpose. Yeah, like this, and it's much more useful in in real life to be able to convey what you need to convey in a short chunk of writing. Like people don't actually want to sit down and read a thousand or five thousand words unless it's like a very technical, intricate topic that they really need to understand. You know, what's, yeah. what's really useful is being able to share a very uh, large amount of information in some very dense writing very quickly. You know, where people can kind of glance at it and get, okay, this is what they're trying to say. Yeah, and I I'm, I, want to talk a little bit about that kind of writing, that more like a, an essay type of writing. But I, I think I would, I would protest that this stream of consciousness writing is useful, but it's not useful to other people. It's useful Correct. to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a clearing of the brain. It's a, and, and interesting things can come up. So I, 
I think the morning pages thing is, I mean, a lot of people do it and they love it. Um, I think it's okay to have a cup of coffee before you start and then I could do it. But it's, and I did, I, I have done this for periods of time and it is, it is kind of interesting. Um, I do, my own journaling is more, it is more thoughtful. It is more, um, it is when I feel like doing it, I don't have a particular schedule. I might not write anything for three months and then I might write every day. You know, it's just if I'm going through something that I need to process, it's pretty much when I would write. And it's really helpful. And I think I think this kind of introspective writing can be and and is very helpful if it is part of your your process, your creative process, because it it does involve knowing yourself better, and it knows it helps you feel figure out what's on your mind, what what are your concerns right now, maybe what's holding you back in your work, maybe there's something that you want to explore, but you are shying away from it, and all kinds of things can come out in this personal journaling type of writing. So, again, not everybody wants to do that. It's totally optional and it's totally personal. Nobody ever has to see it or even know if you're doing it. Um, but it, it is under this category of kind of note-taking, casual writing, which I think is, you know, if if it is right for you, you probably already know it and you're doing it. But it might be it may be something to, you know, give yourself a little push to, to try to be a little more conscious about writing stuff down. Sometimes, you know, a lot of us write lists and lists can be quite practical, right? They can be your plans and your goals and, you know, those are good things. Um, but lists can also be this kind of intuitive um, stream of consciousness stuff. Like you might make lists of words. When we were talking about titles in another podcast, we were talking about writing lists of words that you just like that are evocative and interesting. Right, right. And so writing those words down can not only help you figure out titles, but can sort of spark little things in your brain, you know, if you're uh, that might come out in your studio in some way. So I guess list making, you know, don't rule out as a kind of creative process um, as well. And that there's one other kind of creative approach to writing stuff down that I think is really interesting. And I, I can't say I have ever done this to any extent myself. I think I've done it in minor ways, but it's called mind mapping. And it's a thing, like you can Google this. And mind mapping is a it's basically you make a diagram uh, in order to organize ideas and generate ideas. And it starts with putting an idea, a central idea, in the middle of a piece of paper. Or I think you can do this on the computer, too. There's different you know things you can download and do this. But you start with a central idea. And then other ideas radiate out from it like spokes. And then those spokes can have other spokes. And uh it's the idea of starting with something and then expanding in every direction. So it's not linear. And I think a lot of formal writing is quite linear, but this kind of thing can lead to linear writing, but it can also just be fun and expansive. I think, especially if you're, you know, maybe you have a concept for a, a show, like maybe there's a theme on your mind and you want to think of ways to explore it in your work. You could start with that idea. That would be your theme. And then, um, you could start to, you know, make some of these branches outward and see what happens. Um, and anyway, there's lots of stuff. Uh, I, I just Googled it briefly when we were going to do this podcast to see what was out there. And there's quite a bit of information. So 
I think it's an exciting idea. I don't know why there's so many interesting ideas I've not really done myself, but I suppose that's that's life, right? Say, so, yeah, I should try that. I should try that mind mapping. That sounds great. Um, so I guess um, those are all just kind of, I think of those as both kind of fun and also quite stimulating ways of writing. And I think they're, they are tied to your, your basic creative self, you know, to, to keep track of sort of where you're at and, and pay some attention to that. And then also just let it be and write it down and let it be. And it's in there somewhere. Um, so what you were talking about before the more, you know, I guess I would just say more formal writing. Yeah. More structured. Yeah. Um, where you have, you know, like the essay format, you know, that you probably learned in high school is you have a, a central idea or what they call a thesis. And this is what you want other people to get from reading it, right? So you have something you want to convey. And it could be something like you want to convince somebody of something, you want to describe something, explain something, whatever it is. But you you know right away, like when you start writing it, this is what I'm after, um, as opposed to sort of exploratory, random writing, you know, we're just looking for something. Um, and this, again, you know, there are there are places online where you can see the type of structure that's expected in this more formal writing, uh, some sort of introductory paragraph, and then um, I think a main body of the, which could be a paragraph or two, just kind of ex- explaining um your points and your supporting points, and then some sort of wrap-up or conclusion. So there's usually three parts to it. However long it is, that's kind of the structure. Um, some people really advocate using an outline for this, which to me sounds deadly dull, but okay, it, it could be helpful. Um, so that's the kind of writing you learned in school, right? I mean, English class, that's... But, and you might think, well, I don't need that anymore. I'm, I'm out of school. <laughs> But you do, and you mentioned um, a couple of things that where you might need this kind of writing. Um, and I think if you're writing for, say, a grant proposal or an exhibition proposal, or you're writing a letter of introduction uh, of your, for yourself to a gallery or something, this kind of writing, the more concise, the more precise, um, the less rambling, the better, and like you say, people don't want to read a long thing unless it's a story, it's a creative thing, or for some other reason, it's very interesting reading, or as you said, something technical that you really need to get to the to the root of it. It might take a long time. But these shorter things that you might find in a more formal email or an application process or something. This is the kind of writing that I was saying, if you don't feel competent at it, you can get help with this. And I think as artists and entrepreneurs, as you are, we're expected to be good at an awful lot of stuff, right? I mean, it's like, there's hardly a skill that we're not supposed to be pretty good at in order to make this all work. And I don't think there's any shame in saying writing isn't one of my skills and I, I'm going to have somebody help me. Well, and, and I think that a reason why a lot of people think that writing isn't something that they're good at is because they're not good at that kind of formal structured writing that, you know, because they've been told, 
you know, all through their their school life that they need to write a thousand words or two thousand words or five thousand words or something like that. Um, and I think that most people are are pretty capable of writing two hundred and fifty words. And yeah. I, I think that uh, that that's really what you should should focus on getting good at. Um, you know, I, a thousand words or five hundred words, maybe that's more appropriate for uh, grant writing or something like that. I don't know. Um, but for something like sending out an email, you know, um, you're, you're looking more at kind of like ad copy. Um, mm-hmm. and you, what you really want is like, you want to hook your reader within the first sentence or two, uh, and then you want to tell them a quick story, uh, and then you want to have some kind of sell, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. that, it, it, that kind of structure is a lot more useful for communicating with people, um, on a kind of a regular basis, you know, than yeah. 500 or a thousand words, you know, um, if you want to, you know, get people to come to an art opening, you know, mm-hmm. you want to have like, like within the first few sentences, basically say, Hey, here's what's going on. And here's, and then here's why you should come. Here's what I've been doing for the past, however long, or here's what this body of work is really about. Here's the experiences that it's about. And, you know, and then here's when it's going to be, I'd love to see you there, you know, something like yeah, that. Perfect. Um, yeah, so a press a press release or something like that or a, yeah, a newsletter. Yeah, exactly. And that's the kind of writing that you're really going to have to do a lot more of in in any kind of career. Um, but you know, especially in art career in, in in an art career where really you have to be um, selling your work to some extent, you know, like you have to, mm-hmm. you're going to have like a gallery, an art opening, you're going to have to be there shaking hands and kind of like explaining your work. And you're going to have to be writing artist statements. And all those things are like very kind of quick interactions. And it's, it's all about being like very to the point and direct and, you know, making your sell. So, yeah, and I think that's a really good point. And I'm glad you brought up email because that's another big topic. Um, and nobody's going to that- read an email that's more than 250 words. Like, they're just not going to do it. <laughs> they're going to look at it and say, ah, too long, didn't read, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I think all that stuff here, the the type of writing you're talking about, I would sort of put it as formal but less formal than, say, you know, a proposal or something where usually when you're writing something very formal, you do have some kind of guidelines because you're, you're trying to uh, make your application, whatever it is, fit their guidelines or something. Um, yeah. But in, much... in, in, with the, the kind of writing that I'm talking about in the, in the context of like a, a, you know, grant proposal or something like, like that, that would be basically your opening paragraph, you know, <laughs> like uh, that would be yeah. your, your kind of the abstract on your larger thesis or whatever, you know, it's, it's yeah. not, it's, it's like quick to the point. Here's, here's what we're doing. And, and, and all of us do much more of this less formal writing, but it's, but which is meant to communicate to other people. I mean, the first kind of stuff we talked about was just personal, there's the formal stuff that really has to meet certain criteria, but most of us, most of what we write is this kind of emails or um, promotional stuff or whatever it is, stuff on your website. Um, and I think I think it's all, some of the same things apply. Like you say, be don't be too wordy, don't be too long, be concise. Um, and but yet there's a personal element I think that can enter in, and that. That gives you some freedom, you know, to tell a story, which you probably right. wouldn't do in a very formal essay. Um, and so um, 
Well, and if you're I selling think- something, the story is what sells it. You're not, yeah. you're not, you know, people don't really pay attention to kind of like lists of characteristics or something like that. It's, it's really mm-hmm. like, it's the story that sells anything, including your artwork. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I think we've talked before about finding that line between the personal and the professional where you, you know, you want, you want to engage people uh, as human beings, and, and yet you have a certain standard of professionalism that keeps you from oversharing or whatever it is. So, uh, but, but when you were talking about email, I think that's, that's a, a, another big topic. And I think I myself have to watch because I can get very wordy in an email and, Sometimes I have to pull back. It depends on who you're writing it to. I mean, if it's if it's a friend, it's one thing, and you know you know what your friend's tolerances are for how much you're going to write. If it's but if it's not, if it's a more professional type of thing, one of the things I notice that I have to watch myself is that I will ask too many questions in one email. You know, and a better approach I think is to lay out what you're thinking about or whatever, and then wait for a response and then come back with, okay, so here's the next phase of this idea. You know what I mean? So you give them enough the first time that they understand what you're talking about and then say, you know, let me know if you have any questions or whatever, but however they respond, then you have the next phase, a different email to expand a little bit more. And so taking it step by step rather than hitting somebody over the head with the entire scope of what you're talking about. Is- right. And in today's world, that's almost considered rude to, uh-huh. you know, to write too much or to um, ask too many questions in, in, cause you know, you have to think of it more as a conversation than, yes. you know, and, and if you just send somebody a block, a big wall of text, then you're, you're, you're lecturing, you're not conversing. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I think maybe it's a little harder for people that are older to realize, I mean, you know, we were, I was brought up, you know, writing letters by hand. (laughs) Right, right. When you have to wait for a response. And so you want to fill up a page, really, you know. And and, and I mean, I I think that it's it's just kind of the world has changed a lot, you know. I mean, and that's the same thing with the that kind of the longer form writing that we're taught in school that uh, that really ends up being a disservice to us later in life, you mm-hmm. know, because what's what's actually you, what you actually want to get really good at is these very like you want to you want to severely edit your writing, you know. If you're mm-hmm. if you're gonna put something out into the world, you know, that you've written. Um, you want to go at it with with a with an axe, you know. You want to cross out every unnecessary word. You like the skill that you want to cultivate is getting the most information possible into the smallest area of text possible. Yeah, and that's and that's the exact opposite of what we're taught in school. You know, in order to everybody remembers, you know, being in school <laughs> and oh, I have to have a thousand words, and so you're like going through Babylon. and adding little words here and there, and adding an <laughs> unnecessary sentence here and there. You know, and doing your word count on the computer. Oh, you know, I'm at seven hundred and eighty words. I got to go back and add some more words. You know, <laughs> and and that's that's the exact opposite of what you want to do in real life. You know, you want to right, take that right. block of seven hundred and eighty words and get it down to three hundred. You know, you want and it's it's a it's amazing. I always think when if let's say you know you're writing something maybe for a magazine or something, and they say your word count has to be this amount or less, and it is amazing what you can cut out and still convey your meaning. 
when you have a restriction like that and you're aware of it, that the opposite restriction, like you're saying that you have in school, we have to have more here, you're having less. And, you know, it's just funny because you can take out entire three or four sentences out of a paragraph and, and it still makes sense. Another thing I notice a lot of times in my own writing is if I take the final sentence of a paragraph, put it at the beginning, then that's where I was heading, right? To that last sentence. Right, right. Take, the, take that last sentence, put it at the front, and then it's much easier to add a few examples or a few words rather than this whole build up to the the idea that was coming at the end, you know? So, um, so there's little tricks like that. There's some good good resources about writing. And An, Another one that, that, you know, I there's two things that I tell people, like when I'm editing their writing and reviewing it for them, um, and that's what I just said eliminate every unnecessary word that you possibly can. You want to get this, that you want to cut this in half, you know, the amount that you've written here. Um, and then the other thing is read it out loud. You know, I can always tell when somebody hands me a piece of writing that they have not read out loud because it's, there, you, there's all these little errors and mistakes. You use the wrong word here. Um, Repeat little, the words. Yeah. Little grammatical things that just, you know, they jump out at you as soon as you read something, you know, not just like in your head, but, but actually speak it out loud. You know, it's yeah. so important. Um, and, uh, yeah. uh, people that feel silly doing it, I think, um, you know, if you need to go somewhere private and, <laughs> you know, read something aloud, then, then do that. But, um, you know, do not ever put some piece of writing out into the world that you have not spoken aloud. Right. And and then if you speak it to someone else, they can often say, well, you know, that you just that was redundant. You already said that or whatever it is. And right. Right. All kinds of stuff jumps out at you as soon as as soon as it's like in in, you know, vibrations in the air instead of in your own head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's a really good tip. So uh, a couple of things I wanted to mention before we, we wind up here. Uh, one of the things is the artist statement. And again, that's a pretty big topic. But I think everything that we've been talking about in this last bit about this kind of writing that is per- it has a more personal flavor to it, um, but it's also informational and it's also clear and edited and precise. Those are qualities that you want in an artist statement. You don't want it to be dry or preachy, but um, and you don't want it to be rambling with stories of your childhood and all that. You do want something people can digest in a few paragraphs that says as much as you can say in those few paragraphs without being pretentious and overblown, etc., um, and this probably is a, a topic for another podcast because we we all have to write them and it can be hard. But I wanted to spend a little bit of time with, with art blogging because um, it's something that I've been doing for a number of years. And I would say if you don't basically like to write, it's probably not something you want to do. It'll become a chore. Sometimes people think it's, you know, maybe it's important for your marketing or your you know, image or whatever, but don't, I, I'd say don't do it if you don't want to do it because it should be an enjoyable. I find it enjoyable. I don't do it as nearly as often as I used to. Uh, when I look back at my first blogs, I was posting them a lot more often and they'd usually have a painting and then some thoughts. And I realized, you know, that's kind of the function now of Facebook and Instagram <laughs> is you kind of put up, here's what I'm working on and, you know, maybe a thought or two about it. So, my own blogging has evolved into more like a personal essay for each topic. And I love writing them because 
I guess I wouldn't really call it essay because I don't usually have a clear idea when I start and I have some idea of where it's going. But I write and it starts to evolve and then I edit and I go back and I say, okay, here's where it's going. Let's shape the rest of it. Sometimes I cut out three or four paragraphs that I've written, you know, and I start to shape it in a direction and they surprise me because I, as I write, the process of writing creates ideas and I I understand things when I write about them in that way that I did not know before and I hadn't really formulated an idea about. So that's what I love about the type of blogging that I do. Um, but there are other ty- lots of other kinds of art blogs and there's ones that are more, just very much more image oriented. So a few, uh, few paintings, a few words, and that there are a lot of people that write those, or they may use other people's images as a way of saying, here's some art I like, and here's some artists that, you know, you should look at. Um, you can you can focus on links or quotes or other things that interest you. So it doesn't all have to be stuff that you've invented. But but the other thing I, I really like about blogging is it's it's essentially, it's a blank page. And you think about which might be scary also, but for me, I like it. Um, when you think about something like Facebook or Instagram, you're, you're, you're kind of in a format there. Like, you know, you have a little box to write something in and it's, um, you know, you're, 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 there's a structure that you're going to stick to because it's their structure. Whereas with a blog, it's, it's very much more free what you're going to do in that space. Um, and it's always there. It's always in one place. So you post something on Facebook and it's going to get lost pretty quickly, right? Everybody's scrolling through and whatever you put up there, it might stay on your timeline for a while, but eventually it's going to get lost. Whereas your blog, somebody can go there and read your thoughts over a period of time if they want, if they're interested. And they do. They, you know, people tell me they read my blog uh, for years they've been reading it or they'll go back and read a couple of years. And so it, it becomes a record of your thoughts and your process over time. And I, I think that's really a lovely thing. I, I like that a lot. Um, so, and it, you know, you can see your own growth when you look at it. And I, I find myself being probably more personal in my blog than I am elsewhere. I think it just, it sort of feels like writing a journal to me. And I, I just, I can dig in a little deep, you know. Um, and so um, that's that's my own approach. Is like I said, you blogs can be anything, and they and they can be produced at any rate, you know. Like some people might want to do them every week, some people twice a year, some you know. And there's all these rules about oh, you should do it a certain amount of time so you get followers. That's probably true when you're starting out, but I think once you have people that are interested, you can do it as you as you please. I mean, I don't let it go too long, but I don't have a schedule. I'll just think, oh, it's been a while since I wrote a blog. And then I'll look at it. I'll say, oh, that was a month ago. So it seems to come up about every month in my brain to do something. And um, so I I just think it's valuable. But again, if it appeals to you, and, and if it does, then find what figure out kind of who your audience is and what how much work you want to put into it and where you want it to, what you want it to do for people. You want to make them think. You want to make it be mainly visual. Um, you know, kind of what's your voice with it? Uh, and it's your voice. It's what you should be, who you are. So anyway, that's my little plug for blogging.
<laughs> well, do you have I am any- kind of I am kind of excited about blogging. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's I, something I that like you it's... enjoy, then then do that. Whatever. I mean, I guess my final thoughts would be that whatever form of writing <laughs> you happen to enjoy, um, it, say you're like really active on Twitter, and you know that uh, uh, whatever the character limit is now, it used to be 140 characters. But what it, if that size of writing really works well for you? Then then you know start with that and expand on it. You Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I think I would add to that, uh, that sort of public writing, I would add to that, uh, think about your private writing, you know, what's in your sketchbook or your journal or your little scraps of paper. Um, and, and puts, you know, understand that that stuff is valuable for your inner process. I really believe it. I mean, I don't have anything to prove that, but that's my sense about it. So that's kind of it. Right. Go right. <laughs> Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com, as well as www.rebeccacroll.com, and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody. 